This is episode two of the Trainers Only podcast. This is the Lessons from Dog Racing episode where we talk about what happened in Florida with the ban on dog racing, a little bit about whether politics play into this as a red versus blue issue, and then how to recognize the playbook and the extent of the implications for horse racing, as well as some some key takeaways from what we can learn. So we can start with some background here on what actually happened. First, a single purpose entity dedicated only to ending dog racing was established. Um, That'll be important later on. Um, This entity was called Gray 2K USA Worldwide. And the reason it's important that they were a single purpose entity and not say PETA or one of the other established larger animal rights groups is that single purpose entities are attractive donation targets for anyone that would benefit from the achievement of the organization's objectives. So if we're talking about a gambling enterprise like racing, it could be other gambling enterprises that view racing as competition, say casinos. It could be real estate developers that are interested in developing the properties or other entities. But that would be one of the uh, the main reasons to set up a single purpose entity is that they are very attractive donation targets where a broader uh, mandate, something that say the Humane Society or PETA might have, would not be as attractive for these groups that are that stand to benefit from, uh, from ending racing. So a single purpose entity was set up and then the largest dog racing state that allows ballot measures, which was Florida, was targeted. And this is done to inflict the maximum amount of damage with a single ballot measure. Once Florida was targeted and the initiative put on the ballot, the market was saturated with advertisements showing graphic breakdown footage, so dogs breaking their legs in races. And this was very effective. Um, the industry tried to counter this with a lawsuit to prevent the uh, the ballot measure from moving forward, uh, to get it pulled from the ballot, in fact. But that failed in the Florida Supreme Court, and the initiative did indeed go before the voters. On election day, more than two-thirds of the voters, in fact, nearly 70% of the electorate in Florida voted to ban dog racing and make it illegal after 2020. So the uh, advertising campaign was quite successful. This has had several knock-on effects for the dog racing business. Um, Most of the tracks in other states were highly dependent on uh, simulcasting from Florida or carrying the Florida signal rather. Uh, And so they are reevaluating whether they're going to be able to remain open. And also the breeders have begun to exit. They could not absorb the reduction in scale from the loss of Florida. So the tracks that are considering remaining open are very concerned that they're going to suffer from an industry-wide shortage of dogs. There are some lawsuits pending regarding loss of property without compensation, which can be can be a lawsuit under the laws in Florida, but it remains to be seen whether or not those will be successful. A key call out from the voting in Florida is that it was not a red or blue issue. Interestingly enough, Florida was a very, very red state in the 2016 presidential election, and even some of the darkest red counties voted overwhelmingly to end dog racing with very heavy voting uh, in favor of banning dog racing occurring both in the um, area around Gulf Stream and also in the Ocala area. Since we began having uh, challenges in California, I've heard people say, well, that could only happen in California because it's a very blue state that would never happen in the east. But uh, what happened in Florida showed us that that is, is not the case, in fact. 
So how do we recognize the playbook from, from what we can see happening in Florida? If you recall, the first three steps in the process in Florida were to set up the single purpose entity, uh, Grade 2K USA in the case of dog racing, to pick a key ballot measure state that was going to be your first target, and then to uh, produce a lot of graphic advertisement to saturate the, the media with images that were disturbing and would sway voter opinion in favor of, of a racing ban. So in regards to ending horse racing, a single-purpose entity similar to Grey 2K USA was set up in 2012. The name of this entity is Horse Racing Wrongs, W-R-O-N-G-S. It is a group that is organized out of New York. Key ballot measure states have been picked for targets, and they've chosen California, but I think with the precedent in dog racing, Florida would also have to be perceived as being at risk. And then the third step, saturate social media with graphic footage. They have already begun to do that and even to branch out beyond social media with interviews and also with uh, digital billboards in New York. And according to their website, digital billboards were also planned for California around Breeders' Cup 2019. If we look beyond the targeted states of California and potentially Florida, and we also recall the lessons that we learned about red states versus blue states not mattering very much. Ballot measures are actually allowed in 20 U.S. racing jurisdictions. I can give a very long list, but I will just read off the ones where the state contributes at least 3% of the thoroughbred full crop and or they host graded stakes races. So that would include Arkansas, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, New Mexico, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Washington. So quite a few large racing states, you know, if you want to talk New Jersey with Monmouth, you got Oaklawn Park in Arkansas. Um, So there's quite a bit of vulnerability and and we've learned you can maybe run, but you certainly can't hide. So if we had a request for horsemen, I think it would be support racing in all of the key states, particularly key states where ballot measures are allowed, and then watch for measures and recalling what we've learned from Florida, vote to to set the right long-term precedents. I think it would be interesting to see if the horse industry could have the election over again. Would they still choose to vote uh, in favor of banning dog racing to the extent that, that they did? So to conclude, I think we've got five key takeaways from this episode. The first would be that the opponents have a repeatable playbook for outlawing activities in states where ballot measures are allowed. So that's something we have to watch out for. The threat to the racing industry from this is nationwide. It's not confined to the blue states. In fact, it's 20 of our 38 racing jurisdictions where this playbook could be used. Single-purpose entities are being used by these groups in part so that they can draw funding from outside interests that would benefit from ending racing. And that the impact of a ban in one state, it has a a nationwide impact on handle and breeding potentially and can cause a compounding or knock-on effect, particularly if the target is a key racing state like a California or a Florida. So I think we need to come together as an industry. I'm really looking forward to hearing listener feedback about what you think we can do and additional topics or questions you'd like to see us explore. Uh, Please do reach out, and thank you for listening.